Welcome to Cloudy with a Chance of Trust, a podcast for digital transformation leaders where we discuss the latest cyber attack issues, enterprise security strategies, and current security events so that you can successfully accelerate network and security transformation. And now here's what's on our mind this week. Hi, everybody. Welcome again to the Lisa and Pam show here. <laughs> I'm Pam Kubiatowski, Senior Director of Transformation Strategy here uh, with Zscaler and joined by my colleague, Lisa. Lisa, you out there? Yep. Lisa Lorenzen, Director of Transformation Strategy, Zscaler. <laughs> so for some of you who have joined us previously, you know, we've been trying to do these um, podcasts every couple of weeks to kind of talk about what's top of mind and it's interesting this week, it, well, this it's, it's early in the week, but what keeps coming up is, is zero trust and zero trust network access. And what does it really mean? And so Lisa, I thought if you're good with it, I think that's our topic for today. Sure. This week, this month, this year, it's been coming up a lot. <laughs> I swear I was just on a call an hour ago. And again, it's the same discussion and it really is coming down to, I think we need to start at the basics. Where did zero trust um, evolve from and, and, and when did it evolve? Because people are talking about it like it's a brand new topic. It's a great question. Really, the term zero trust was introduced in 2010. So over a decade ago now in a white paper from Forrester written by John Kindervog with the best white paper title ever, No More Chewy Centers. And the idea was it's like a hard candy that has that hard outer shell and the chewy interior. Once you get through the outer shell, you're done. The challenge with that is, A, it's not a new concept. There were many attempts to attack the same problem prior to that. And B, personally, I don't love the term zero trust because I feel like it's focused in the wrong place. I tend to think of this space as context-based least privilege access. And when you break it down like that, you start to look back in time to concepts like deperimeterization, which was introduced by the uh, Jericho Forum. And their idea was, you no longer have a hard perimeter. The perimeter is every device on your network. Wow. And in the late 2000s, that was you know anywhere from hundreds to thousands to tens of thousands of devices. And if you roll it back a little further, you're even looking at some of the work that was done in DISA around the idea of a black core, where they were going to isolate the core of their network and protect it behind a full mesh of encrypted tunnels. So we're looking at two very different things there, but this is all feeding into the same concept, which is, I don't want to connect an endpoint to the network and then have to lock out what users can't get to. So the original definition of zero trust in Kindervog's white paper was, we need the same level of visibility and control for users on premise that we have for remote users. And that was kind of revelatory because I worked for a health insurance company two decades ago. And man, if you came in over the VPN, we had resource access policies. We knew exactly what you were connecting to. But if you plugged into a cubicle, it was a little bit of the wild, wild west. Flat network, the critical things might be isolated, but there was a whole lot of open runway floating around. And I'm sure that environment has changed in the two decades since then, but it's a problem that organizations still struggle with today, especially because of the two big trends of cloud and mobility. As applications move out of the data center to the cloud, what do you really consider your perimeter anyway? And as users move off-premise in more and more quantities, especially with the push to telework for COVID-19, we're recognizing that these are all aspects of the same problem, which again comes down to 
I want to connect a user to a resource only if the user is authorized to access the resource and they meet all the criteria that I need to set, whether that is device management, device compliance, user attributes, other elements like whether they are on a known network or not, all of these things may be relevant and which of them you need to choose based on, that really depends on your use case. So that's really how we got to zero trust today. We tried to do that 10 years ago with the tools available. Layer 2 network admission control with 802.1x and Radius and Mac auth databases for things that couldn't do .1x and behavior profiling for the Mac addresses to make sure that the thing that's telling you it's a printer really is a printer and you can imagine that rabbit hole. Or you take it up a level and you take it to layer three identity aware firewalls. And now you say you can't connect to the resource across the network unless you're authorized. But where does that context come from? And do you have these control points at all the places you need to enforce inside your network? So frankly, NAC went through the Gartner hype cycle where it was going to save the world. And then people started trying to do it and they figured out how hard it was. And it hit that slew of despair, right? And zero trust really was tarred with a bit of that brush. It was too complex. It was too difficult. It was too monolithic. You had to deploy it across almost all of your network to protect any of your network, really. So we started to see maybe 2016, 2015, the same concepts start coming up again. And I really think that Gartner stuck their toe in the water there first with CARTA, Continuous Adaptive Risk and Threat Assessment. Sounds familiar, right? You want to be able to understand the risk before you connect a user to a resource. And the problem, I think, was that Gartner had exactly the right idea and they didn't have a catchy acronym. <laughs> and so that's the only explanation I can come up with for why this didn't take off. Forrester starts picking up the Zero Trust extended ecosystem. Gartner says, okay, fine, we'll get on the Zero Trust bandwagon, but we're going to call it Zero Trust Network Access. And that's the second term that I dislike. There are a lot of things I dislike about the terminology in this space. We're not talking network access anymore. We don't have to be. The focus on the network is backward looking. We want to connect users to applications. So at this point, what zero trust means in today's world is no matter where the resource is hosted, whether it's in the data center or in the cloud, if you don't want to publicly expose it, but you do want to enable authorized users to get to that, how do you do so regardless of where the user sits but with full awareness of what device they're on, what criteria they need to meet. That to me is what zero trust means in today's world. That's awesome. I did not realize it went back that far. It's kind of like IP telephony is what it sounds like to me, right? Because IP telephony had been around for years upon years and it wasn't embraced. Mm -hmm. Right. So many organizations struggled with moving to IP telephony, even today, still so many struggle with it. Right. And they have traditional systems praying that they keep, you know, keep working. That correlation is just so vivid to me. Oh, yeah. I think that's a fantastic analogy because a what you have is you have a hardcore of nerds who read all these white papers a decade ago and went and tried to do it with the original technology and then found out that it might be harder than you think. And so there were some early adopters. There were some organizations that were able to really drive that. So for Zero Trust, the poster child for this would be Google with BeyondCorp. Mm. Google managed to do Zero Trust with 802.1x and Radius and proxies and device inventories and user inventories. But 
they wrote six white papers about it over seven years. And they're a company that's run by engineers for engineers with a nearly infinite budget. And this might not be so easy if you don't fit that definition. And with IP telephony, the other reason that analogy is so terrific is we're now seeing the advantages of a cloud delivered solution. New cloud enabled solutions for voice over IP for unified communications in general are incredibly expanding the flexibility and the reach of IP telephony. And by the same token, cloud delivered solutions for zero trust access are extending the reach of zero trust, but they're also making it more accessible because all of a sudden you don't have a monolithic mm -hmm. problem to solve. You don't have to protect your whole network. You can pick one use case at a time or one user community at a time, and you can start to leverage these new solutions in parallel with your existing network security controls, mm -hmm. migrate users or use cases over, and then figure out what you can eliminate in the network after you've done that. So it's a really good parallel between IP telephony and zero trust access today. Well, and it's interesting because to that point, it really gives you, it gives companies the flexibility to your point, you're, you're able to have the flexibility to move certain workloads or certain groups or certain tasks, whatever that is. And that agility is so important in today's world. Right? Completely. Yeah. And, and you're not all in, you know, I, the old days you'd have to go ahead and it was a hard cut and it was, you were all in, or you were going to back that out. And you knew how many hours later we're here, you can do it. So gradual and make sure that gracefully it was done right. <laughs> totally. But, but, you know, it's also interesting as you hear a lot of conversations and you touched on it about Gartner and, you know, Gartner puts out their papers and, um, you know, I think it was, correct me if I'm wrong, mid 2019 or so, is that when they came out with the sassy term? Sounds right to me. Or around that time frame, right? And, and sassy talks all about zero trust network access as being part of the sassy model. So for some people, I think people get, they wonder, is it, the, are we really talking about the same thing between zero trust network access and SASE, or is there something that distinguishes it to be different? I believe the way that Gartner sees this is that zero trust network access is an architectural component of the secure access service edge. So the full SASE model is about heavy cloud, thin branch, moving services to the cloud where you can minimizing the infrastructure requirements and the complexity at the edge. ZTNA or zero trust access or whatever we want to call it today. Zero trust is a concept. It's a principle of least privilege access. I would say that Gartner sees ZTNA as one component of SASE in the same way that SD-WAN could be a component and moving heavyweight applications to things like Office 365 could be a component. It's a smaller part of the bigger picture. It's a means to an end. So it's more about an umbrella term. Absolutely. SASE is the umbrella. ZTNA is one of the struts on the umbrella. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Because I, I, I think people do question and try to understand what's the difference between them. You know, you kind of talked about, I think, too, you tied in why it really didn't take off the complexity at the time. What do you see really has changed that now besides people in their mindsets? Has there been a sh another shift that has helped for those that are actually moving towards more of that ZTNA that has helped get them moving? Yes, absolutely. I think the rise of new technologies to offer the zero trust access functionality 
has been critical. If I could only do this at the network layer, whether it's layer two or layer three, I really don't have the flexibility to handle the vast proliferation of different networks. And that becomes more critical when you start to think about tearing down the distinction between on-premise and remote users. We were already starting to see forward-looking companies talking about the internet is the new corporate network. We want to treat users as untrusted, quote unquote, even if they are on a network that the company owns. We don't want to impute any inherent trust to them based on where they're sitting. And also the pandemic has really driven an acceleration of that trend. When everybody moved to telework, when we drew down our on-premise user base to the bare minimum, in some ways that was an opportunity to start to rethink how we do this connectivity and how we apply these security controls. So I think that the advent of cloud-enabled zero trust solutions has really taken away some of the challenges that we faced initially. But I also feel like it was just sort of starting to be time. We needed to start talking about context-based access more and more as the applications migrated as well. You know, the rise of software as a service, people started being comfortable with private data in applications that other people hosted. And then with the rise of infrastructure and platform as a service, People started being comfortable with private applications on infrastructure that other people hosted. And when you really start to think about moving your applications to the cloud, then the logical next step is how do we move our security controls to the cloud for a bunch of the same reasons? Flexibility, resilience, ease of deployment, centralized visibility and management. This also expands your definition of zero trust, quite frankly because you realize that you need to protect your users' outbound traffic as much as what would have traditionally been inbound traffic. If you have private data in Office 365, then you need to protect that flow, and that's an outbound flow. The rise of ransomware and internet-delivered malware, it has spiked so much since the concept of a VPN was introduced. When we first started deploying IPsec VPNs, there was really minimal concern about external compromises of users from websites that they were surfing. The main concern was that we didn't want internal data to leak. Obviously, this has always been present, but it's the quantity, it's the volume of threats. The threat volume has risen exponentially for internet delivered threats over just the last decade. So now we start to realize that we need to wrap in both directions. We need to protect all of the user's traffic. We need to protect applications, whether they are private apps in the data center, private apps in a public hosting environment, private data in a public application environment, or traffic to entirely public applications. It's all part of the same problem. That's great, Lisa. I think, you know, it goes back to don't let a crisis go without taking advantage of being able to somehow better your organization from something that has been, you know, unfortunate situation. This has been great. I think this is really framed up nicely for so many that this is not a new topic. This is not something that just popped up a year or two ago. This has been around a long time and has been maturing as the years have been going on to where we are today. And for those of you who need to go ahead and really sit down, take a look at where you're at, know it's okay to start to move in this direction 
I think it's a perfect opportunity for so many. Absolutely. And I think the one key takeaway today is that when the topic of zero trust comes up, it means different things to different people. If you ask two people to define zero trust, you will probably get three or four different answers depending on the day and whatever conversation or framing they were just thinking about five minutes ago. To me, really figuring out what is important to you in the term of context-based access, where is your low-hanging fruit? How do you let go of, identify and let go of the assumptions that you may be making about delivery of controls, about the framing of the conversation itself. If we really start with today's world, users everywhere, applications in multiple environments, there are a lot of assumptions from yesterday's data center centric, network security centric model that we need to pull into the light, examine and figure out what those assumptions get transformed into when the environment changes as drastically as it has over the last decade. That's awesome. Well, with that, it's been great talking to you again. And for everyone out there, please stay tuned to our next topic. It is always good to talk with you, Pam, and I'll look forward to talking with you again soon. Cheers. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening to Cloudy with a Chance of Trust with myself, Lisa Lorenzen, and my colleague, Pam Kubiatowski. Check back with your podcast provider regularly for more episodes. Pam and I are directors of transformation strategy at Zscaler. You can find our profiles on LinkedIn or reach out to us and other CXO transformation leaders in the Zscaler CXO community LinkedIn group. Zscaler is a zero trust exchange inline cloud security provider for some of the largest companies on the Forbes Global 2000. Find out more about Zscaler at zscaler.com. Copyright 2021.